0: I was kind of jealous a little bit of people just talking about, like, oh, I'm so grateful for this Twitter community that I built. And I think, what Twitter community? Like, I feel like I'm all alone. I'm just shouting into a void. How do I get that? And yeah, with with work, I was able to get there. And now I think that Twitter is probably my
1: greatest business asset. This is Creator Habit the show that looks at how creators build their audiences one day, one follower, and one habit at a time. I'm Alina, your host, a startup founder turned content creator and indie maker. Hello everyone. Today's episode features April Lynn, a rising Twitter and YouTube creator who joined Twitter less than a year ago to promote her startup, only to find herself growing over 6,000 followers in less than six months. Aprilyn specializes in content around Twitter growth. And during this episode, we discuss how she found her niche, how her quick rise led to diverse monetization paths, and her creator habits in her new lifestyle as a full-time creator. Aprilyn, can I just start by having you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background?
0: First of all, Alina, thank you so much for Inviting me on the show, I I started my career within corporate finance and soon realized that it wasn't quite for me. And you know, that's when I first started kind of building my own startup. And that's when I got exposed first to the Twitter community. And since there, I think everything's gone in a bunch of different directions, but I mostly split my time between working on my startup, um, creating content for Twitter, creating content for YouTube, building out paid products, doing some freelance design stuff and whatnot.
1: I've been following you on Twitter, and I always find everything that you write so insightful and uh, helpful, especially as someone who is newer to Twitter. And one of the things that really struck me is that you haven't been on Twitter for that long, and yet you've been able to not only grow your audience, but really hone your voice in a pretty remarkable way.
0: Thank you. I guess. I was pretty late to the Twitter party. I first joined Twitter in December, and now it's August, right? And I I first even just started using Twitter for Twitter only in March. So it's only been a few months. And when I started off, it was terrible. Like, I didn't understand why everyone was talking so highly about it because I didn't really know what I was doing, right? I came in brand new, didn't follow anyone that I knew. I just looked up, like, the big accounts like Entrepreneur and Harvard Business Review and other huge accounts like that and like huge influencers in the entrepreneurship space, um, but really no connection. It was only really in March when I started my second startup that I really kind of honed down into my own Twitter strategy. I took Twitter a little bit more seriously, really focused on building a community. I mean, that part was huge. I was shocked and kind of jealous a little bit of people just talking about like, oh, I'm so grateful for this Twitter community that I built, And I think what Twitter community? Like I feel like I'm all alone. I'm just shouting into a void. How do I get that? And yeah, with, with work, I was able to get there. And now I think that Twitter is probably my greatest business asset.
1: How did you start to figure out what you wanted to write about?
0: Yeah, I definitely did want to start before my startup. Um, but I kind of realized that It was difficult for me to write about my startup because I felt like I wasn't moving really quickly. So not all of my content could be about that. And I kind of just covered the hashtag build in public movement. I came across the, the profile of one of the founders of copy.ai and he was super into build in public. And I thought, Hey, you know, this is going to be something cool that I do. Right. So I was kind of trying to build in public with my startup, but Obviously, like, like you said, it started to run out of content since I wasn't moving super quickly. And then at that point, I thought, OK, what else can I build in public if not my startup? You know, screw it. I'm learning how to do Twitter. I can learn how to do Twitter in public on Twitter. And I think that's when my account really started to, quote unquote, take off. Um, was really just when I started to share pretty long threads about getting started on Twitter and what I was learning as I was going through this process and a lot of other people found it helpful so that kind of launched me into my first niche now that being said now I tweet about a couple of different things I have my startup I kind of have a niche about tweeting about internships which is related to my startup I tweet about some of the other things that I'm doing but I found that my audience really is heavily more interested in the growing your audience and growing your digital presence side. So that's really where I'm trying to focus most of my content.
1: Sometimes people start to explore what kind of content to write and there's almost like this push and pull. They're noticing what is it that I actually like writing about and what are people responding to? Did any of that happen? Yeah, absolutely. After... My first thread about
0: building your Twitter profile took off. Then I released another thread and then another thread and then another thread. And each of them did so well. I was starting to get concerned about, am I only supposed to write threads on Twitter? Like, can I not write any individual tweets? Will everyone stop following me and hate my content if I do something a little bit different? So it actually took like a bit of courage to try to not do a long thread. I I still did focus on content about Twitter, but not necessarily always in thread form. And I found that when I did try to deviate from that, like when I first started to write some more content about how to do a user interview correctly, because that's something that I was going through, it really tanked. Like those threads did not do very well because that did not really match a lot of my audience at the time. Now I'd say at this point, my audience is a little bit bigger. There are a lot more people interested in the entrepreneurship side, And so even though those are still not my best performing tweets by any means, I still do get more engagement on those than I used to. But I think for a while it was just listening to the feedback that I was receiving from my audience in terms of their likes and comments and retweets and seeing what they actually responded to versus what they ignored.
1: Yeah, where did you turn to for ideas or where do you turn to for ideas when it comes to creating different types of threads or, or other type of content.
0: I'd say that in terms of figuring out where to get ideas, there are a couple of things that I do. One is I'll, I'll scroll through Twitter now and just kind of look at what other people are tweeting about, seeing what gets any sort of reaction. And if, if I'm like in idea mode, I won't actually read people's threads, but I'll read people's hooks. And so then I'll just like keep a tab of hooks that I find interesting that I think that I could write about and then store them away for a rainy day for when I want to write about them and just pick. So, you know, I've heard the phrase, you know, like copy like an artist in the, in the way that it's not like you're copying directly other people's content, but you are copying their topic. And then you can take the same topic and make it yours and make it interesting and really flavor it with your own personality and your own personal knowledge. Of course, other ideas will just kind of pop into my head on a daily basis. I make sure to keep track of those, write them down within five minutes, otherwise, they're gone forever. I do have like an idea bank of ideas for threads or for tweets or for videos that I keep that I always add to to make sure that's never empty.
1: So, where does this idea bank live? I'm curious, like, what tools and systems do you use? My idea bake lives in two
0: places, and one of them will, I'm sure, make you more excited than the other. I'll start with the more exciting one, uh, which is Notion. And so this is more for the uh, content creation side in terms of creating YouTube videos and threads. I do try to double dip my content in terms of what I can do for my video and Twitter, because I think if something makes a really good Twitter thread, it'll most likely make a pretty good video as well. Right now I have like a large list of successful threads that I've already written before getting into YouTube. So it's like a lot of videos that I have material for when I get to them. But for like everything else, including thread ideas before they get put onto the Notion board, it's just like a really basic. I would hesitate to even call it a system, but I use Slack pretty frequently and I will DM myself in Slack. Whenever I get any sort of idea, any time. And to me, honestly, the most like productive process that you can have is just the one that works best for you.
1: I absolutely agree. Ultimately, it's all about the system that works for you. You know, I think when people are starting out... There are a whole range of impediments or barriers or however you want to call them. Sometimes someone is, you know, at a loss for ideas. Sometimes they write something out but are too scared to post it. Are there any things that you struggled with when you started to post regularly on Twitter? Oh, gosh.
0: Yeah, so many things. And I'm still struggling with so many things now, despite... Having it be a more uh, normal part of my life. I think when I was starting out, there was definitely the fear of like, why am I doing this when no one is listening to me? That definitely helped once I did see some sort of engagement on my first thread and threads after that. But there's definitely that fear of like, why am I even tweeting right now? If no one is around. Another fear of mine was that like. What have I even tweeting about you know, that the whole imposter syndrome, right? It's like, I don't know anything. I'm not an expert at anything. What do I even have to offer to the world? Everyone knows more than I do. So that was also a big struggle. I have come across days where I'm kind of dry on ideas, but I feel like I just tweet about being out of ideas and that's, you know, it's its own tweet that it can go off of, right? And ideas for what to do when you're out of ideas. Some days I do experience Twitter burnout where I just look and it's like everything looks the same and I just get kind of not bored with it but just you know more more burnt out and that I feel like okay let me just do another tweet about consistency like everyone knows that you should be consistent and you know, I'm not really providing any extra value here but it's like some sometimes I get a little bit like, uncreative in terms of how I can flavor up the more traditional ideas with something special. And I'll say the last struggle that I go through is kind of where to balance between how much should I share about myself personally with the world versus just keep it more on like a professional basis. Because I do know that people and like people like to follow me because they've come to like my personality and the way in which I deliver content. And so like, where is that balance between giving them a lot of flavor, a lot of personality, letting them into
1: my life in a certain degree
0: while still creating some sort of boundary?
1: You know, you mentioned that you have structures and systems to help you through some of these struggles. Yeah. What do you do when you're having this kind of self-doubt or having these Thoughts come up?
0: Yeah, I'll start with the one that might be most applicable to people just starting out on Twitter, which is the idea of no one's here. I'm just tweeting out into the void. No one's listening. And I like to think about Twitter like a party, right? And so there's a party, there are a lot of people around and there's you. And if you go over, if everyone is here and you go over in the center of the room and you walk over and just face a corner where no one else is in and just starts talking, of course, no one's going to listen to you because nobody's there. No one's in your little corner of Twitter yet. And so what do you do? You walk away from your corner and you go to where the people are. And so like a good strategy for this is follow some of the more influential people in your niche, you know, follow the influencers there, but try to not engage directly with them. Try to engage with the people who comment under them. So reply to the people in their replies, because most likely the people within their replies are more likely to want to grow their own audience or are more likely to engage in a further conversation. And so once you start to get out there and add meaningfully to the conversations that are already happening on Twitter. That's how you start getting more profile clicks and that's how you start to bring more people over into your own corner of Twitter.
1: It can take a lot of time to both engage new communities of people and, you know, work on content. How do you fit this into your day?
0: Yeah. Um, I think when I was just starting out, I, I spent maybe like 45 minutes to an hour per day on Twitter. Which sounds like a lot saying it out loud, but if you actually think about how much time you spend on social media, it's not terrible for a day. And as cheesy as it is, you know, consistency does compound. So you don't, it's much better to do, you know, 30 minutes per day, every day, than just like crank out four hours on one day. I think when it became more of like a, a social aspect and getting to catch up with friends, as opposed to a chore then it became a lot easier to spend more time there and feel more productive as i was spending time there if i just burn two hours on twitter just scrolling i'm gonna feel like a potato But if i'm on twitter i'm contributing i'm catching up on what other people are doing and engaging meaningfully with them i'm having a few great conversations and dms maybe setting up a couple of meetings then I feel like I really am doing something to advance my personal brand and my business.
1: You started out while you had a full-time job, while you also were doing a startup, and you were going down this content creation journey. And as someone who is in a very similar boat right now, like when do you fit it in? Is it part of a routine you have? Um,
0: Yeah, I'll say a couple of things. One, I pretty much exclusively schedule my tweets. I do have a couple of tweets where I just go onto the Twitter platform like create tweet and tweet it away when I'm feeling something in that moment. But for the most part, I tweet only once a day. That's always in the morning at the same time and I do have those scheduled. There are some pieces of advice that's like, you know, tweet like a hundred times per day or 50 times per day. And I think that that's super unsustainable, especially if you are trying to really provide value So I really just focused on one good tweet per day, and it was always scheduled in the morning, which means that I usually wrote them at night. So it'd kind of be like, after most of my work was already complete and kind of like, even after dinner, so it's like really in, in the evenings is when I would go through my idea bank, select something and type it up for the next morning. And then whenever the tweet was posted, I would consistently check in on it for the next hour or two in little batches to make sure that I'm replying to everyone. I think it's important, especially when you're just starting out and you can still reply to everyone. I still try to reply to everyone at the scale that I'm at. It, it just really helps connect more with your audience.
1: I love that. Twitter seems like it opened you up to exploring other platforms, in this case, YouTube. Can you talk a little bit about what motivated you to start on YouTube and yeah, how you see that as an extension? Yeah,
0: I'd say I kind of got motivated to start on YouTube when other people were telling which were telling me, hey, you should do YouTuber. Hey, you should do TikTok. And I don't think I'm like cool enough to do TikTok at this point, but I thought, you know, YouTube might be interesting. I had never done video content before. And I think especially as a woman too, something that I was a little bit more afraid of in terms of like putting my image and my face and my body out there on display for the world to see via YouTube videos versus on Twitter. I feel pretty safe behind just an avatar and just my words. But I think as I looked into YouTube a little bit more seriously when I was thinking about quitting my job and and kind of creating full-time, I knew that As great as Twitter is and as great as the audience that I have on Twitter is, it's really difficult to monetize on just Twitter versus on something like YouTube. Once you do reach the monetization threshold, you are earning something on every single view on every single video. So I thought, you know, just from at least a financial standpoint, if I'm already creating content on Twitter, I felt like I could reuse a lot of that same thread content that I've been doing on YouTube and potentially have that way to be like a more rich form of uh of content and people binge youtube videos all the time and go down rabbit holes so i thought that it did feel like a pretty natural progression, kind of staying within the same niche but moving more content into a platform that does have more of a possibility for monetization
1: it's interesting that you talk about monetization one thing i noticed is that You also started monetizing Twitter in in relationship to the service of making people's banners. How did you even come up with that? And how have you been thinking about monetization more broadly?
0: Yeah, for reference, I do like personalized Twitter banners that I design and I charge for. And it first came about when I did my own Twitter banner. My old Twitter banner was pretty simple. It did have some more details on it that people loved. And then I saw a long stream of people kind of copying that format. After I started seeing a lot of the same type of Twitter banner, I really wanted to do something that would stand out and make my profile more unique. So I took to Figma and I just spent a pretty long time designing one of my own that was more of a landscape and I made an announcement that my banner had changed. And one of my Twitter followers DM'd me and he said, I could not stop thinking about your banner. I want one. I will pay you. Like, how much can I pay you for you to make me one like this? And I had no idea, like, at all. I think the first thing that I asked for was, like, $50? And he said, no, that, that's that's, that, that's way too cheap. Like, ask, ask for more. They made his. And... He shared it and he loved it. And I think more people started DMing me, asking me if I could make one for them. So at some point I figured, you know what, might as well just make this official, put up a Gumroad page for it. And I've been doing more and more and steadily raising my prices. I'm at $250 per banner at this point. So pretty large increase from that very first one. It works really well with my niche of growing your digital presence because Twitter banner is part of everyone's digital presence who is on Twitter. And I've become kind of known as the Twitter banner
1: girl. I love that. You recently announced that you finally left your day job. (laughs) Obviously, you have Tenderfoot, your startup, and you have been growing out your presence both on Twitter and YouTube, monetizing in preliminary ways. And... I'm kind of curious, like, where do you see yourself going, especially as a creator? Like where, what's your kind of goal or what's your end game?
0: Yeah, well, I'll say when I quit my job, I gave myself one year to kind of figure it out in terms of after one year, I need to be able to see a much clearer path on you know, either I'm profitable at that point or can see a clear path to being profitable enough to sustain myself. Otherwise, I'm going to have to find another job because I need money. <laughs> um, so I guess I have a couple of goals for this one year. First of all is to continue developing my Twitter audience. I wouldn't say have a direct number for that because It's not just about follower count, it's also about engagement, right? And so I am focusing on both of those metrics. I do definitely want to monetize my YouTube channel by the end of the year. When I say end of the year, I mean August of next year. I'm just kind of right now in the stage of figuring out what paths of creation work for me and what don't, because I know that there's a lot of things that you can do. Like I am in the process of developing an online course that I think that people will okay. really like. I am trying to optimize for fun as I go through this year, because I think that so many people get caught up in their lives of like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. And I want to approach this year with like, oh, I get to do this and I get to do that and I feel really energized at what I'm doing because that's at least to me, um,
1: the most exciting and most fun way to be able to live your life. So in terms of what's next and, and how we can follow you or how we could support your journey, can you speak to that a little bit?
0: Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of ways. I'd say if you are into content about how to grow your audience, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Aprilyn A., I also love if you could check out my YouTube channel, This April Alter is my channel name and any sort of feedback on these videos. I'm still pretty new at it. Yeah, I could say those are probably the two best ways to follow along my journey as I continue in this world of trying to be a creator.
1: I'm very excited to see what you do next and I'm very excited for any course that you come out with. So uh, I hope everyone else follows along as well. Thank you so much, Alina. I really, really appreciate that. Thanks for listening to Creator Habits. This show was edited and produced by me, Alina Sari, with music by Luke Tyler of Bleep. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and review our show. It would mean the world.